Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's story time with Buster. Here we are at chapter 22. You remember chapters 20 and 21 I fit in together last week. And we're finding ourselves as Train and Tom are coming to the church. This is going to be an interesting chapter. It is a lengthy chapter. We're going to work our way through it. But this is also going to be a very powerful moment. So chapter 22, as with always, we'll start from our Father's heart. I have sent my Son, Jesus Christ, to die, and I have raised him from the dead, that the world might again be brought into fellowship with me. I have sent my Holy Spirit to indwell each one that will believe and submit wholly to him. He is to exhibit a world dying and out of real answers. The only answer? The life of Jesus. And it is to be done through those who believe. By his life in you, the believer, others are to see how Jesus loved, lived, and died so that they might not perish. Your life is to be so empowered by my Holy Spirit that the blind might look at it and recognize the life of Jesus and be brought to him for their salvation. Instead of them seeing who my son really is, they see weak, pitiful, empty ramblings of moral finger-pointing and self-righteous, self-serving religious bigotry. The name of my glorious Son has been brought to such low esteem in the eyes of your world because of your cold, fruitless religion that they laugh and mock Him instead of calling Him Lord. When will you hear what I have been telling you? When will you stop your foolish, powerless activity and lock yourself up with me? that you might really exhibit the life of my Son, empowered by my Holy Spirit. Repent. Turn. Stop now. I am waiting for you. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 13 says, Stop bringing meaningless offerings. And Malachi 1 verse 10, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Tom and Train sat in quiet, personal praise to the Lord, as the evening announcements were being read by Jerry Farringer. Jerry had an uncanny way of making the most exciting event seem boring. But then Jerry was boring. That was not a judgment, but a factual statement. Jerry Farringer was bored with everything. So he had no life to give to anyone else. He was interested in no one but himself and had no interest other than making money for himself. So he simply expressed boredom to everyone he met. Sally, Tommy, and Becky sat between the two big quiet men. Sally and thought about her last day, Becky and Tommy adjusting their space and making sure the other didn't violate it. Each secretly began to plot how they would improve Croach on the established boundaries, but then that was understood and part of the fun. Tom wondered how Train was doing, and he glanced toward him, unable to read his expression as the usual testimonies were given. Tina Weatherspoon, a very large lady in a bold flowered dress, was grateful to God for her help, helping her overcome her temper in recent days, especially in light of the fact that she had hit her husband over the head with the frying pan and the week before. Then, and Jesus worked on her on my doctor's heart to allow me to not be so restricted on my diet for a couple of weeks, she rejoiced. It's been almost unbearable. I could hardly eat anything. 
Several others nodded their heads knowingly as she finally sat down. Matt and Martha Smithers announced that they were pregnant. Martha, that is. Matt stumbled red-faced at his faux pas. Tom and Rita, justford, praised God for putting their marriage back together, and several others thanked the Lord for unspoken answers to their prayers. It wasn't until Betty Haggerty, the town gossip, praised the Lord for his giving credence to her latest tidbit that I saw train grimace and put his head down in silent prayer for her. And now, before we go any further, Pastor Wickham said with excitement, we have a very special announcement. As most of you already know, we again have a very special visitor with us this evening. We have invited him back so that we might show him some of the love we have here at His Holiness. Train, he continued, looking at now visibly uncomfortable man sitting next to Becky at the end of the pew. I know this is a surprise to you, but we would like to give you a little... He glanced in the direction of Jim Wilson, who outwardly exhibited most of the pride he felt at that moment. Well, not so little gift. Would you come to the platform, please? Train sat immobile for an instant. Then with a quiet sigh of resignation, he submitted to the pastor's request. We would like to present you or present to you this check, Pastor continued, once Train was standing next to him, dwarfing him by comparison, just to show you our love. Normally, I wouldn't mention the amount, but in this case, I feel I owe it to these people because of their generosity. Train, please accept this check in the amount of $17,000 on behalf of all of us at His Holiness. It's for your work in the inner city, a much-needed work, I might add. A quiet, sporadic applause mingled with expressions of wonder emphasized the moment. With that, he handed the folded check to Train, who took it and held it unopened. For moments, he stared at his hands, the congregation assuming that he was overwhelmed and feeling quite proud of their more than generous gesture to someone they knew very little about, waited in silence. The moment was pregnant with anticipation. Quietly, Train raised his head, and he looked with loving eyes at the people. My Father in Heaven has revealed to me, to us, he said, looking at Tom and meaning to include him and Mick and Steely and all the others that he's about to do a great and mighty work in his people to purify them for the soon coming of Jesus Christ. It started on a smaller scale even before the ripplings of war touched our own soil. For some time now there has been great stirring in the heavens and a heralding of his people to draw close to him as never before. He has called his people to an intimacy with him, to make him their priority, and to surrender completely. The calling is getting more sure, and in recent weeks, even days, his spirit has poured out to those who will come in a manner that hasn't happened since soon after Jesus walked the earth. God is looking for a pure and spotless bride, alive to him and him alone, dead to the deceitful riches of the world. Then, with the love and compassion of Jesus in his eyes, Train continued, let me explain to you why I can't accept this check. The stunned audience sat in increasingly agitated silence, Soon, smaller murmurings began in groupings across the vast sanctuary, and open disbelief at the audacity of this invader became apparent. Jim Wilson and some others set poised, became apparent. Uh, Jim Wilson and some others set poised, eagerly waiting to hear the next offense that would come from the mouth of one so ungrateful. I understand what you are trying to do tonight, and for that I am grateful, he said. But if I were to accept this check, I would be allowing you to remain in your sin. He looked at Jim Wilson direction in Jim Wilson's direction, making him somewhat uneasy, like a child caught in the act. 
Then he continued, God is not looking only for your money. He is not interested in anything that allows you or me to remain cold, uncaring, and unneedful of him. The Lord would say to you, as he is saying to all of his people all around the world, so that they might prosper and be used for the great harvest that is about to take place. I know your record of works and what you are doing. You are neither cold nor hot. I desire you to be cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered and grown wealthy, and I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore I counsel you to purchase from me gold, refined and tested by fire, that you may be truly wealthy, and white clothes to clothe you, and to keep the shame from your nudity from being seen, and salve to put on your eyes that you may see. He began to prophesy, There is time, but not so much as you might think time, time to be conformed in the requirements of my word. My word was given to you simply and clearly. You have made it confusing and difficult by constantly attempting to make it suitable for your purposes. Does not my word declare that it is sent to accomplish my purposes? All is mine. Everything belongs to me. The principle of first fruits, the tithe, is not so much a heavenly tax on what has been, but rather a sowing into what will be. Many have robbed me of my tithe, and I think I have, no and you think I haven't noticed. I know what it will shortly come upon the earth. Then you will see that my word works better for you than your own devices. To the faithful, remain faithful. Only you will stand. Only you will see my rewards in life to come. Remember what a few loaves and fishes turned into when willingly placed into my hands. That was but a shadow of the return on what is sent ahead and stored up. Search my word. One day it will search you. On that day you will be before me. Only what my word says will matter then. My word is your only standard for holiness, faithfulness, obedience, love, and all other issues. My word reveals to you that I love, reveals to you what I love, that I, what I hate, and what I require. There's still time. I encourage you, my people, to humble yourselves before the Lord and allow my spirit to make your hearts tender. Settle the issue of obedience forever. Seek me right now. My blood still covers. My grace still avails. My love never ceases to call out to you. Train stopped for a moment, head bowed, waiting for the plumb line that had been drawn in the word and prophecy to do its work. Within seconds, the dividing sword revealed pockets of open rebellion, lethargy and conviction. Before this moment, all gathered may have been of one congregation sitting in one room, but now the real heart motives of those who said, Lord, Lord, were being exposed. He continued, Many of you have been entrusted with much to be used for God's work during your short life here. You have, however, consumed most of what you have been given, whether that be money, talent, influence, education, or any other gifting upon your own lusts. Your gifts are not really gifts, as you suppose, but simply the returning to God of what was never yours. He was always rightfully his in the very first place. You have been put in charge as hired shepherds of sheep would be, but you have sold God's property for your own gain. You have been found out and now are being called to account. This day you must make a choice. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ alone and be part of the great harvest or serve the world and its materialism. An eerie, uncomfortable silence remained in the room. 
people full of pride and not used to being called to account for anything, especially what they did with their money, were stunned, but restrained by a force much stronger than they. Mighty hands with blazing swords in heavenly realms constricted the working of dark powers and individuals guided by those powers. God's warriors were implementing an orchestration of complete control until the word was allowed to accomplish its work. Only as glowing warriors upon command allowed their captives to whisper to their familiar hosts would the silence be broken. A small hand was timidly raised near the rear of the sanctuary. Nancy Offizer, a frail, ashen-complexioned lady who never smiled, stood to her feet and began to speak. Nancy continually needed prayer for many unspoken needs. Whenever a group of Christians gathered, she was there like a little puppy. Most of the time, the gatherings she attended were sidetracked to focus on her and her tribulations. I don't know how you can say we are consuming God's property upon our own lust, she began defensively. Some of us here have nothing. She motioned pitifully and continued, We don't live in big houses or drive fancy cars. We simply make it from day to day. I think you are a little out of line. Many heads nodded in agreement as the warriors loosed their hold on their foes for a moment, then retightened their grip, leaving them immobile and ineffective. Looking steadfastly through Nancy to the spirit of self-pity and pride that had been directing her all these years, trained began in the spirit. Nancy, you have consumed upon yourself the word of God, his grace and the stewardship of his mighty power, which is for the express purpose of overcoming all obstacles through Jesus and to bring salvation to the lost. You have chosen to stay broken and not believe God's healing word, all so that you might bring attention to yourself. I now bind false pride and self-pity and command them to leave you to never return by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. To the astonishment of all gathered, Nancy flew backwards against her pew as if, she st as if struck under the chin by a large fist and fell in the middle of the aisle under the power of the Holy Spirit. Immediately her complexion began to take on a lifelike appearance as she had laid perfectly still. Do you not understand? Train began addressing the crowd in general. This is not a game. You are not in a control of your lives any longer. The Holy Spirit is. And all that you see here is being done in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the beginning stage of God's plan for his creation in the end of the end times. Nothing other than God's will and God's way will be done in his name. He is once again visibly taking charge, and we simply have a choice to either submit to his will, as we have professed we've done all along, or be set aside, looking on helplessly during the coming peril. Tonight, which do you choose? There was no anger in Train's voice. He had not raised it, but simply spoke at a volume that all could hear. God was anointing the words of his trusted servant with power to accomplish what was needed during this time. Having been released, the meddling religious spirit in Sam Thompson began to speak through its longtime host. You have no right to come into my he corrected himself hurriedly, our church and offend these children of God like this. Again, Train moved in the name of his Savior. Sam Thompson, tonight, the Lord of hosts is requesting that you serve him and him alone, not yourself and your controlling greed. Choose now whom you will serve, or this night your own words will consume you as you have enjoyed their harsh effect upon others all these years. How dare you, Sam, now livid with rage, his face turning red with anger, began... I have a mind to call the police and have you thrown out of here, you, you, you undesirable, you. See, 
I told you this was not a good thing to do, Morgan, Sam screamed at the pastor's direction, shaking a finger and becoming more vehement with each moment. Tomorrow I'm calling one of those, I'm calling some of those here to petition to have you removed. Now bright red and visibly out of control, Sam began almost foaming with anger. I'll not be held responsible, he stopped in mid-sentence, grasping his throat. He was choking. There he stood, eyes bulging from lack of oxygen. Some frozen in amazement, not knowing what to do. Shaking grotesquely, he dropped to the floor with a sickening thud. A frantic effort at CPR by Mike Coffer, a local gym teacher, was to no avail. Using his handkerchief to cover Sam's face, he announced to the shock observers, He's dead. The congregation was too stunned to move, showing no emotion but feeling deep sorrow for someone who chose to continue in this in his sin rather than turn. Train, who had not stirred from his position on the minister's platform, spoke again. The Father, Creator, extends His loving grace to all of those of you during this time. He asks you, as He is asking all those who are called by His name around the world, to choose this day whom you will serve. Each of you has been hearing His call to you for many months and even years. Some of you have applied it to your lives in differing degrees. You have understood the signs all around you and discerned the times and have made the decision to lay your lives down before the Lord for His total work in you. Tonight, you shall be sealed by His Spirit in your inner being. Others here have not chosen to recognize the times and seasons, and you have remained in service to yourselves, doing even self-motivated good works, supposedly in God's name. You will be given ample opportunity to repent, but will not be part of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, the Lord would say to you, you have for too long called for my anointing to fall upon you without submitting your lives to a walk of purity. It will no longer be. Only the pure in heart will be entrusted with me with power, with my power. Only those holy unto me will be entrusted with my rhema word. Only those dead to the world will see the manifestation of my grace in their lives. I have called, and few have heard. I have warned, and few have heeded. I have exhorted. And still my people go about their own business and call it mine. Soon that will end. No more, says the Lord. No more. My gifts are without repentance. Yes, but my presence must accompany those gifts, or they will fall to the ground. You will now see who will serve and who is not pure in heart. Watch, watch, and be amazed at what I am about to do in the church. It will no longer resemble the church in the world when I am finished purifying it. It will be holy. It will be pure. It will serve no other gods. Now it is full of whoredoms, but soon it will be my bride. Do not be mistaken, Train continued. You will be called to account for disloyal, wavering hearts, your divided interests, and your spiritual adultery. I counsel you, as in James, to grieve, even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to brokenness and heartfelt shame for your sins. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant at the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. With that, Train again bowed his head in prayer. The Father was finished talking, so Train in learned obedience could not, nor would he, say any more. In the spirit world, the heavenly host released their captive dark forces. These ugly forces, in turn, began to inflict their desire on their willing listeners. Pandemonium broke out. Some stood screaming abuses and shaking their fists toward the altar. 
Others simply stormed from the premises, taking their questioning children with them. Some carried Sam Thompson from the sanctuary, vowing to return with the police to arrest this murderer. God was allowing heavenly separations to take place. Many others had heard what was said and had received it with welcome hearts. In silence, oblivious to the clamor of those leaving, young and old, rich and poor, waited before their God with surrendered hearts. Their wait was not in vain. As he had done to Tom, Train, and the small body of believers that morning, as he was doing to fellowship, fellowship similar to his holiness Christian fellowship all over the world at that very moment, and as he would do to remnants of believers in the coming months, the Holy Spirit moved. With the presence of the living God in their midst, surrendered vessels were cleansed, healed, and taught to the work to be done and introduced to their portion in that work. The doors remained unlocked and the light stayed on at His Holiness, and for that matter, at many other churches around the world, as time again had no place nor bearing in the matters of God when He was communing with His children. One of the many wonders of the God of open heaven performed that evening was done in Carrie Hutchison's life. For 17 years, Carrie had been a quadriplegic bound to a wheelchair. Born a beautiful, very attractive little girl, Carrie's back was broken at the age of five when her father, an alcoholic, lost control of his car on wet pavement and struck a utility pole. The incident caused Robert Hutchison and his brokenness to remorse to surrender his life to Jesus. In subsequent years, his wife Emily and their three children, Sadie, Joshua, and Carrie, were also saved. The family was a testimony of God's mercy and grace and functioned for his will to be done in their lives. Carrie's joy, despite circumstances, was a witness to everyone she met, never seemingly concerned for herself or her needs. She continually showed deep caring for others who were hurting. This night, when the presence of God fell on those available to him, Carrie was thrown about ten feet in front of her chair, immobile themselves. Because of God's power on them, the family did nothing. As Jesus presented himself to Carrie, he blessed her for the testimony her young life had been thus far and assured her that he would use her in a more powerful way than ever before. When the healer of all mankind lifted her to himself, Carrie was totally healed. Atrophied muscles were made strong, brittle bones became whole, and a body that had been useless tissue was instantly restored to vitality. When the family again became aware of her physical surroundings, they were presented with the additional gift of Carrie, restored and beautiful, standing before the Lord, only she could still see, arms raised in praise, tears flowing freely. When Carrie became aware of her physical surroundings, she realized that what Jesus had done to her in the spirit was manifest in the flesh. Jubilance and unabashed praise would be the most descriptive but wholly, wholly inadequate words to describe the hugging, crying, and laughing that resounded around the Hutchison family. Robert Hutchison, too weak and grateful to even move, huddled against the end of the pew and sobbed quietly, his head hung in wondrous abandon to the Lord for the mercy shown his daughter. Pent-up sorrow, masked emotions, and years of almost unbearable guilt were released in tides of restorative tears as Carrie knelt beside her father and softly spoke these healing words, Daddy, look at what Jesus did. Now we're both free. Tom and his family, Pastor Wickham, trained, and many others spent time long into the next day and even longer with their very present Lord. It was definitely not church as usual at His Holiness Christian Fellowship that night. Under a pew in the third row of the middle section of His Holiness Christian Fellowship was Carlisle Henderson, Tom's employer, wholeheartedly enjoying his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. After having been in the presence of the Lord's consuming fire, he, too, 
was being formed for service and gladly receiving the beginning volumes of his personal instructions from the Lord in regard to the changes the world was about to experience. Whew! I told you it was going to be a powerful chapter. I, I want you to maybe take the time to listen to this again. I want you to visualize. I want you to feel that presence of God. I want you to understand what God is truly doing. This, Yes, this book is, is written in a fictional format, but the reality is, is it's spiritual. It is a Holy Spirit-driven, Holy Spirit-enabled work that my friend put together so many years ago that even in the distance of years since he's written this book, the relevance it has to today is is unmerited. I know why God prompted me to begin to read this book in our story time. I, I really didn't. I was looking for something else. But but look at the timing and look at the, the presence of God that's in this book, in this writing, and, and the fact that it's available to each one of us right here, right now. All we have to do is surrender completely. To quit living, even though we're maybe living a godly life, we're still living it for ourselves and not for Him. When we when we fully surrender, when we come to an understanding in our heart, then the presence of God can truly enter us and deliver us from, from our shortcomings and use us the way He intends to, the way He intended from the very beginning of time. Whew. Soak this in. Let God use this to penetrate your hardness of your heart. Areas that maybe you didn't even realize you had that may be harder than than you understood. Let God set you free tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to consume this with me this night. There's still more to come. Keep, Keep on listening. Stay tuned. But let God use this message tonight to change your life forever. Amen. Rhonda and I love you. We thank you for your support and for your prayers. God bless you. We're praying for an openness to let God's Spirit flow into you like never before. And we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.